As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we've got epic performances in the NBA and huge, sometimes head-shaking news from the women's side in the WNBA, and our guest is on top of all of it, representing Phoenix. So, Darlene, she's hot. Let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former three and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Thanks, Darlene. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we are at the point in the hoops calendar where it is all happening right now. The (laughs) NBA Conference Finals are underway. The Atlanta Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. What is happening? Um, The WNBA is on fire socially. The games have been great. I mean, there's some real jockeying for for position as we head to the Olympic break. There is an Olympic controversy on the women's side, speaking of. And there's a really great story from the Jordan brand involving Michael Jordan and some great athletes in the WNBA. And this week, our guest is Cindy Brunson of the Pac-12 Network. Cindy's a veteran of SportsCenter at ESPN and has covered every sport imaginable. And we know that she's a hooper at her core. Welcome, Cindy. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for me, uh, for having me, rather. And if I could just add, a Phoenix Mercury season ticket holder to my resume. Very proud of that as well. There it is. That is an important. <laughs> Listen, before we start this pod, I just have to say that this is a super cool moment for me because I remember you in your Sports Center heyday at the pinnacle of like Sports Center. And I was like, how's this lady with short hair? Like, she's so <laughs> You were one of my favorites. So, this is a really cool moment for me. And I know you go way back with Bruce. Yes, way back. I was 13 years. Of course, that pales in comparison to the amount of time that Bruce spent in Bristol. But uh, yeah, worked many a night, many a sports center with Bruce as the coordinating producer on Sports Center. Uh, he was ran NBA Tonight when it was running the show. Um, so yeah, you're you're paired up with some really good company with Bruce as your showrunner here. You are so you are way too kind, CB. But honestly, <laughs> Monica. Never, ever, ever had a bad moment working with Cindy Brunson. She is absolutely a wonderful human being, and it's so nice that she's here with us today. Definitely. I agree with that. Now, let's get to it, Cindy, because even though you're a person, we need your expertise. We need your Phoenix Mercury season ticket holder energy slash college basketball play-by-play energy slash resident of Phoenix, Arizona, one of the hottest NBA basketball cities right now. We already knew about the Mercury. Mm -hmm. Um, So so much going on. Let's start, Cindy, with... I guess kind of the really the hottest topic in women's basketball, which is the Olympic teams were announced and yes. Nika misses the roster again. You're not only are you a women's basketball fan and WNBA fan, like I'm thinking Stanford and Pac-12, like Nika's from that side of the world, the whole bit. What went through your mind when the announcement came down? I was stunned. 
stunned silent almost. I was ready to go to the WNBA All-Star game in Las Vegas mm -hmm. and watch the WNBA All-Stars play Team USA and pick out my NECA Obumake jersey. I was that invested. When I found out she wasn't on the team, I put my tickets back on sale on StubHub mm -hmm. and I canceled my flight. This is wrong. Mm -hmm. She is the only MVP to not make an Olympic team. And Candace Parker phrased it beautifully. I, I won't swear here, but there's a reason why we always keep going back to there's something political at play or there's some other thing amiss here. Um, and it just shouldn't be the case. Neko Gumake is the face of the WNBA the president of the union that negotiated the recent collective bargaining agreement. She was on the front of racial and social justice in the bubble. I, I an Olympic team without her is just, it's just less than, and it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm listening to you rattle off her accolades. I knew them, but hearing them again, it almost feels like an Olympic team without her is un-American. Is that too strong? <laughs> no, no. That's that's why I put my tickets back up for sale. I, I just, and I'm, I'm jingoistic. I want Team USA to win a seventh gold medal. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy for the people that made the team, especially the three Olympians from the Phoenix Mercury. Yay, Skylar Diggins. I can't wait to see her ball out. But um, yeah, I just, it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart a lot when somebody has put in the work and has been to all the practices and has been on the grind for the last five years for this opportunity. And it's not like she hasn't earned it with her skill set on the floor. Mm -hmm. So what else is at play? And it just, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, it is. It is very unfortunate. Um, in, in, in an odd way, I am glad that this has become part of the mainstream conversation in sports. At yeah. Least amongst basketball because it's worth our attention. And listen, I'm not of the camp of just throw Neko on there because she is the NBA or WNBA PA president. She deserves it when you look at the basketball mm -hmm. she's played. I do understand yes. that she's injured. And quite honestly, Cindy, I was at, okay, let's break this down. Diana Taurasi is the GOAT. She is currently injured. And the Fisa Collier, to me, has plenty of time. Like, <laughs> I texted Elena Beard, who's a good friend, but Elena is also similar to Simone Augustus in that she was keenly aware of the spot that she was holding when she started to think about retirement. Right. Now, I am not putting retirement on DT or Sue Bird. I do think that if there was ever an excuse to use an injury, it may have been this year for DT. But mm -hmm. even if we say DT, Sue Bird still have earned that, to me, Collier is a little bit out of place. That is NECA's spot. I was thinking Atkins myself. Okay. That was a name that jumped out at me like, ooh, resume? Mm -hmm. Excellent player. Mm -hmm. But when you put it on paper and put NECA and Atkins, because I, I took the guards out of it because of the position. I, I look to the big bodies more um, because of that. So uh, DT, I don't think there's anything that could get in the way of her and a fifth gold medal. I mean, if she has to wear some sort, if she's out there in an iron lung, she is going to help Team USA. You feel me? She is not going to be denied. Um, and Subert, they have earned that right, I feel. And so I don't have a problem with them. And 
Diana is supposed to be able to play. She's supposed to come back Sunday for the Mercury if everything works out with doctors and whatnot. So she should be working her way back. And the medical on NECA was the same, that by the time Tokyo came around, that she was going to be healthy. So with all of that in mind, again, I go back to the thought of it just doesn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. Agreed. From, from what I've been able to read, and I'd kind of like to address this to both of you guys, this is worse, this NECA situation, this is worse than an omission. This is a straight up betrayal from what I've read because she left a lot of money on the table that she could have earned last summer to participate in some USA basketball events uh, with the sort of unspoken assumption, promise, whatever, that she was going to be on this team. So she put herself out there. She left money on the table that she could have earned for the team, for the country. And then this, to me, that's that's just a stab in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the ultimate snub. It really is because NECA has done everything that Team USA has asked of her more than anybody else that is on that roster over the last half decade. And that's another reason why I said, you know what? I will just watch this game from home. I put my tickets on StubHub and I just, my heart's just not in it because it hurts for NECA. Yeah, yeah. I so gosh, let me let me think back pre-COVID. The Olympic, what is the the period before the teams are announced, guys? But like everybody's kind of traveling together and they're doing that tour. What what is that team called? The exhibition team, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So they um were in New York and they actually came and visited our MSG 150 show at the time and I hosted the whole segment. Uh NECA joined us, Skylar, Sylvia Fowles. Was it the three of us and me? Yeah, it was the three of them and me. And we had a great conversation. And again, to your point earlier, Cindy, NECA has been such a tremendous ambassador of the game, of the women's game, of the country. It is an absolute travesty. And and I just remember thinking about that conversation with them. They were all so excited and thrilled. Obviously, of that group, Syl is the only one that had already won a gold medal. But they were so excited about the progress that the game is continuing to make and so much promise about the Olympic team. And the part I think that hurts a little bit more is that NECA is such an upstanding individual in her approach. Like, I don't know. I may have missed it. I don't know that she's addressed it, but she, it would be out of character for her to be anything other than classy as this thing unfolds. Meanwhile, the rest of us are pissed off. (laughs) 100%. And this, and this is why I have just kind of drawn a line in the sand because I've already went through this with Candace Parker. Yeah. I was in Seattle in 2012 with at Nike in Seattle, introducing the London team to the world for the mm-hmm. first time. And Asia Jones was there. And yay, Asia Jones, good for you. But as you look back at a roster full of Connecticut players and Candace Parker wasn't there, I just, that's when it started for me. Like, wait a minute, are we really taking the world's best here? You know, and then when Parker does make the team, but she hardly gets any burn in 16, it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> she, mm-hmm. Holy moly. She's like Kevin Durant now. She can shoot the three. She mm-hmm. can run the floor. What, what? So, yeah, this was for me the straw that broke the camel's back. But what I like about this instance, unlike what Parker kind of suffered through in silence with, you know, except for the very tight basketball community. Now the country is going, why isn't NECA involved? Because the game has grown. So I think that's awesome. Yeah, 
I was just about to say your dirty little secret is out. Selection committee. Yes. Yeah. We got to do better moving forward. <laughs> yes, 100%. All right. Bruce, if you got anything else on this, jump in. Otherwise, beyond that, we got lots of W to talk. No, just, just that, you know, the selection committee out of the five people on it, Gino's one of them. Kurt Miller, the Connecticut Sun coach, is one of them. And oh even God. one of Don Staley's assistant coaches is Jennifer Rosati, Connecticut Sun yes. president, former UConn player. So five out of the 12 players are from UConn. It, there's just a lack of balance here. And it's pretty, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to see that that this is just like not quite right. And anyway. you know what? Yeah. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, and I, I don't know this for a fact, and Cindy, tell me if you agree, disagree, if it's conceivable. Mm -hmm. While Don and Gino have the most respect for each other, I imagine, I would be very curious to be what, as to what the conversations were like with the selection committee, with Don Staley as your head coach. Like this, I feel like this is an unfair blemish on her and this opportunity, you know what I mean? Like I, the whole thing is just, mm -mm. Yeah, that's really tough for me. And I mean, look, we can't take anything away from Connecticut, right? Gino has put 42 women into the WNBA. It's not like they're terrible players when they leave that school and play professional basketball, whether it's here in the United States or around the world. Um, but the slant, you know, as you look at <laughs> the scales of justice, there seems to be a weight when it comes to the blue and white colors of the Connecticut Huskies. So I just, I thought for sure, if anybody's resume could trump anything, it was NECA's. And when that didn't happen, I was, I was done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 part of me is like, is this going to be the year where they rescinded or add an extra roster spot? Like, are we going <laughs> to well, the only the, the thing that hurts is she's 31 years old. Like, you know, you would love for somebody of her ilk to be able to say she's a multiple gold medal gold medal winner. And and that window is closing for her. And it's such a shame. It's absolute shame. All right. Well, NECA, if you happen to hear this, we are obviously big fans, big supporters. Go Team USA, but also do better, Team USA. Yes. Uh, yes. Do better. Right. <laughs> Don't act new. Don't act new. <laughs> Come on now. Let them know, Cindy. All right. Let's get into the season, though, Cindy. Yes. Ooh, we've had lots of ups and downs. We've had some great buzzer beaters. As it stands, not really any surprises in terms of the top teams being Las Vegas, Seattle and Connecticut record-wise. Um, what, what has been your overall takeaway from year 25? Count it, my favorite uh, league slogan possible. <laughs> I love the level of competition. Uh, mm -hmm. The guard play in particular has been out of this world. And then what Tina Charles is doing, setting the league on fire, my goodness gracious. Uh, just last night, 34 points, dozen rebounds, five dimes, you know, five of six from three. She was... Her and Jewel Lloyd in the third quarter up in Seattle, the heat check back and forth, they combined to score 25 points themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, the level of play, absolutely unbelievable. I remember sitting on the WNBA desk uh, in Bristol, you know, in the mid 2000s, and the league was not even close to being this good. There were two good players on every team. And then there was nobody on the bench really to help out. If the two big scores didn't come through, it would be a loss for whatever team it was. And that's just not the case now. I mean, Mystics go deep. Yeah. Storm go deep. 
you know, the injuries are the only thing getting in the way of the mercury right now. I, on any given night, anybody can beat anybody else, even Indiana, if they come correct and do the little things right. It's awesome. Cindy, I'm, I'm glad you said that because you're right. They've had some moments where it's like, wait, what is that score? What's going on? Yep. Yep. Yeah, but they, they have some work to do in order to contend, for sure. Yes, yes. But you look at the teams at the top, Cindy, and the Olympic break is going to be curious in terms of teams' opportunity to get healthy. Obviously, yes. you hope the Olympians return in good strength with plenty of energy to finish the home stretch. But what's a team that you think will be best served by the Olympic break? Connecticut. Okay. I think the Connecticut Sun, because they have to do so many different things without John Quill Jones in the lineup mm. that put – duress on a player like Dewana Bonner um, that they just don't have to do otherwise. So I think they benefit from the Olympic break uh, in particular. And um, maybe the Mercury, just okay. because it's going to give the players not involved in Olympic play some time to work together and build chemistry and trust that they need, because that's the biggest hole for me with the Mercury is when Sandy tries to go deep in that bench. Mm -hmm. A lot of players still don't quite seem to know where they need to be and are ready to go. So uh, once they figure that out and just buy in and get buttoned up, Phoenix is going to be fun. <laughs> I, the, Phoenix was one of my, and it's not really a dark horse, but they were one of my picks to get to the finals this year. If they can yeah. maintain that continuity. Like I felt like, BG is coming back from leaving the bubble early last year. She's talked about being in a much better headspace. Scott yep. is, come on, like it's only a matter of time. MVP, let's put her in the MVP conversation right now. Skylar <laughs> Diggins has been unbelievable this season. Even in the Mercury losses, she is filling the stat sheet like on no, no other time in her career. It, she is dominating and I love her attitude. She wants to win more than she wants to breathe. And it's palpable when you're in the arena. I, I just love her <laughs> getting on the refs, getting on her teammates. She just has an edge and it's different than Diana. Diana brings that goatness with her and you can kind of see the baby goat deal developing with Skylar. Like, She's going to take the reins when Diana, if she ever hangs them up, steps aside, it'll be Skylar's crew. And she's expressing herself with that body language now. And it's really cool to see. Hmm. I knew she was having a solid season. I don't know that I was, well, MVP conversation. Conversation. Is you know, I mean, she's not putting up stupid numbers, you know, look like a video game like Tina Charles, mm -hmm. but she's the reason why since Diana has went down with injury, that there has been anything positive to talk about for Phoenix because Brittany is going to get hers, yeah. but it can't just be Griner. And so, and Kia Nurse has, she struggled. I, I don't know any other way to say it. She just hasn't been as advertised. So if she turns it up, but with that happening, it's been Skylar 24 seven on both ends of the floor. It's been really fun to watch. Well, we knew it was only a matter of time before she really asserted herself. And what, yeah. I, I was 2011. Skylar was 2013, I believe she went, came. Into yeah. The, now it's yeah. time. I guess time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited for her, though. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, so. She's, up, comfortable, she's comfortable in her own skin. That's that, what I'm getting at. That is yeah. what, it feels that way. Because even the yeah. little scuttlebutt on Twitter. Right? <laughs> the boldness. 
Yeah. I don't really agree with her. I actually agree with Jasmine Jones' side personally, but I the <laughs> in terms of being comfortable in your own skin, like this is what it is, this is how I feel. I agree with you in that yes. for sure. Yes, yeah. Okay. But of those top three teams, you know, I'm even go four because Elena Deladon is still out. Yeah. Um, and Tina Charles got the Mystics hanging in there. Seattle, Las Vegas, Connecticut, Washington right now. Or Chicago. I'm going to go five, Cindy, because Chicago. Yeah. With win. Parker back? Oh, my gosh. Somebody texted me yesterday. Oh, my boyfriend, actually. He was like, uh, Chicago laid it on New York. It was a 20 yes. point. And I was like, yeah, Candace is back. He was like, that's a 20 point swing. <laughs> yes, that's a yes. 20 point swing. <laughs> that is yes. a 20 point swing. She was flirting with a triple-double, too. She mm-hmm. had five assists. What was it? A dozen rebounds, 27 points. I mean, oh, when she is on the floor, my basketball heart smiles. I, I tune in. I cannot get enough of Candace Parker. I have been a fan of hers since she was at Tennessee. I just love the way she comports herself on the floor. I was so thrilled when she finally got the monkey off her back and won a title with the Sparks. And I can see her bringing that veteran presence and getting it done and making some hay in Chicago. I love that signing. I felt I just, it was one of my favorites too, Cindy. I yeah. felt bad when she first went down because it always feels like Chicago is right there for whatever yeah. reason, right? Like they're right there and then they couldn't quite get it together. Obviously, saving yeah. grace was that injury was early in the regular season and she's got plenty of time to get back. And now we're starting to see yeah. them put it together. But of the top five, Cindy, Mm-hmm. Chicago, Washington, Vegas, Seattle, Connecticut. Who you like and why? I'm, a matter of fact, I, I'll, let go, I'll let you go too. Who you got in the finals and why? I've got Seattle and Connecticut. Okay. Because of depth mm. on both benches and for Seattle experience. Now, I know Noel is new at the head coaching experience, but everything around her is veteran. So if anybody can repeat, it's Sue. And you know, Sue wants gold medal, fifth title, peace. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, right? Um, and then to me, Jonquil Jones is the most dynamic player in the WNBA. She is Kevin Durant for the WNBA. She can do whatever Kurt Miller needs her to do. And there is nobody like her in the league. She is a unicorn and a game changer. And with the pieces around her, uh, I really like Connecticut and Seattle. Um, For me, the wild card, no pun intended, is Las Vegas. If they can figure it out and get all on the same page and and hum and run, they're Mm -hmm. formidable. But I I don't know what they look like after the Olympic break because the top of their team is Olympian heavy and how taxed they're going to get, you know, Mm. with Cambage possibly facing Asia in an Olympic gold medal game, what that's going to look like when they get home. Mm, That's a great point. Yeah. I love, so my teammate from Georgetown, Sugar Rogers is now an assistant at Las Vegas. That's also where she's right. Yeah. And I, I love her and I root for her. But I, I always feel like Vegas is a little puzzling at the wrong time. Yes. Yeah. They just, for whatever reason, you just don't get the sense that everybody is on the same page. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I do like the fact that in addition to Sugar Rogers, Tanisha Wright is there. 
And mm-hmm. I have noticed as I watch the aces that in the huddles and late game situations that Bill Lambeer is stepping aside and Tanisha Wright is running the huddle and she's mm-hmm. got the clipboard in her hand. To me, that's a perfect passing of the torch situation for Tanisha to be a head coach in the near future. I would love to see that for Tanisha. She's been a very right pursuit. Um, it's weird though, because I remember Bill winning with Swin in Detroit. Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Cheryl Miller, not Cheryl Miller, Cheryl uh, uh, Malone, right? Did she yep. go by Malone though? Did she go by Malone? Was that her last name? She went. She went by Ford. There you go, Cheryl Ford. I just knew yeah. that Cheryl Malone's daughter. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's always like Bill's a winning coach, but what is going on? <laughs> well, that those Detroit teams were loaded. So I good. mean, so stacked. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, the Aces are ridiculously loaded. But again, it's can they all get on the same page at once? Because you have so much scoring potential, um, especially with Chelsea Gray. Mm-hmm. But I I feel like Chelsea Gray is trying to find minutes, which is odd. And then Kelsey Plum has figured out how to play defense now that she's been involved in three-on-three basketball mm-hmm. and has developed a lethal first step off the bounce. So she's just not somebody who sits on the three-point line anymore. Right. Um, and I think there was a point where you could say, yes, yeah, she has to come off the bench as the sixth person, but the numbers she puts up when she's in, to me, says she's a starter. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball, mm-hmm. and her records won't fall in the back 12 for a while. Uh, she's a baller. And I there's just that intangible leadership quality with her that I think is needed from the start of the game if the Aces are really going to contend. My only pushback on that one. Yes, I, yes. I wouldn't say super close, but obviously when Suge was there, I was very much into what are the Aces doing. Yeah. I, I almost feel like coming off the bench takes pressure off of her because she gets into funky little, at least as a professional athlete, she gets into these funky droughts, which yeah. are like, you know what I mean? And so I think being able to take note of the flow of the game, maybe see her spots before she physically gets to her spots is a little bit of a positive. Um, and then I think between Chelsea and Kelsey, it's interesting mm-hmm. you, you mentioned that Chelsea Gray seems like she's still trying to fit. And I've heard yeah. Bill talk about, you know, yes, we know that you are a prolific passer, but we also need you to score. And so I think she sees this stacked roster around her and as a point guard is salivating about the opportunity of these dimes that she could dish and right. almost plays down her ability. You know, Chelsea got that wagon. Like she gets you on her hip. It's a wrap. <laughs> yes. But we just haven't seen that with Las Vegas. I mean, we saw it all the time in LA and you just expected that to translate in the new situation. And it hasn't. The person who is stepping up and filling that void is Raquana Williams. Bebe is getting all, and she's eaten every night and deservedly so. I mean, because she's not, she has yet to meet a shot she doesn't like. If there is a scintilla of daylight, whether it's to drive it and put it on the deck or shoot the three, she is going to shoot. Um, And so that's taken away from Chelsea. But it's the purity of what we get from Bebe. Like, she knows she's a scorer. Nobody is expecting her to set up and facilitate. Like, you, it's almost like you watch Chelsea, you can see it still computing. Like, how do I fit with this group best? Um, Yeah, yeah. But again, I think the the point of both she and Asia being in in the Olympics is going to be interesting. But I think think Vegas can figure it out. I don't know if they're going to figure it out at the clip that some of the other top teams have already figured it out. But I do think... 
Yeah, because I think we have seen championship form from Connecticut this season when John Quill was with the team, and we've seen it from Seattle. I haven't seen it consistently from Vegas. Um, So when I do, then I'll I'll pay acute attention because, you know, the personalities on that team are ridiculous. So many personalities. I, I, when we talk Connecticut, while John Quill, John Quill has been excellent, I always got to give a shout out to my girl Jasmine Thomas. Shout out to us. Oh yes, Hicks. yes. And Brianna yes. Jones having a great season. Yeah, I'm um, taking the next step in her game. She's been terrific out of Maryland. But it's going to be interesting because we haven't really seen much of. We're seeing more of a healthy Chicago, but we still mm. haven't seen a healthy Washington squad. No, when. EDD comes back, watch out. I mean, that we already know what Tina Charles is in this new system with Mike Tebow. Um, and I love watching Natasha Cloud play on both ends of the floor. I there are few that are better at her all around in mm-hmm. the WNBA. She does all of the little things right. And her ability to see the floor and pass the basketball, especially off the bounce. There have been times when I have had to change from red wine to white because I have jumped up and thrown my glass in the air because of a cloud dime and looked at the floor and went, oh, all right, I think I can get the white wine out better than the red. Um, She's phenomenal and so underrated. I don't think people talk enough about how good and critical it is for Washington's success for cloud to be a part of it. Well, and I think part of that conversation is missing if you have not seen her arc, right? Yes. Like, you got to know that Tebow was in the gym at St. Joe's watching her. You got to know that she was scrapping for minutes, that she was coming off the bench. Like, in the last, this season in particular, and obviously she was so vocal in so many other very important ways last year during the bubble, but even in Mm -hmm. that championship run, you know, she's six, woman, six, seven off the bench, but still giving you a ton of energy. To me, she's taking step in her game and if you haven't seen the arc I don't know that you can appreciate what she's doing yeah that's true that's a really great point I have had a front row seat to the arc and I am one of her biggest fans she's awesome and she's so fun she's probably a better person than she is basketball player which is very very high praise um okay yeah. we gotta do this Cindy, and then we gotta talk about your phoenix uh sons of turning Woo! the world on fire okay it's coming up all-stars will compete against the women's national team. Team USA. Yes. I don't need all your all-star picks because I know we got to pick through the remainder of not Olympians. But is right. there anyone, any first-timers, or just anyone in particular that you really hope gets to make it an all-star appearance this year? Ooh, that is a great question. Uh, I would like to see Natasha Howard if she's healthy. Uh, I think that would be fun because uh, she's a game-changer. I want Heidemann to make an all-star team because I, I want to watch her run. I love Natisha's game. Oh my gosh. She is yeah. so freaking exciting. Uh, yeah, I would really, those are the two for me. I don't know that Howard is going to be healthy enough, but I definitely, I would love to see Heidemann make it. Man, if she got the all-star nod, I get that it's under a new format, but that's again, another big time leap from someone yes. who came in last year and hit, Big time shots and moments, but you weren't relying on in the way right. that she's been part of the machine this year. Okay, my yeah. top two, I need Benajelani all up in the All Star. Oh, fair point. Yes, all yes. All Star. Like, you know what? I didn't. I didn't mention her because I just assumed she's getting fair, fair, fair. But it will be her first time. Yes. Um, and I think she's just had an incredible season. And 
what I appreciate about what Benaja has been able to done, been able to do, you know, Cindy, there's a lot of conversation about the marketing and Sabrina and this, that, and the other. And not that it is not warranted, but I think as a team, it requires you to hunker down that much more and communicate and be on the same page. Sabrina's had a great year. Like she has been as good as advertised. But let's talk about that two-man game <laughs> that she's with Benaja Laney and the way that, again, she's taken another exponential leap in her game. We saw glimpses of it last year in Atlanta. But what she's been able to do this year, like, I just, I'm all in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Laney, to me, has taken it up two levels, not just one. Like, mm-hmm. she showed us flashes, and now she's like, uh-uh, I'm here you are going to have to deal with me because I am a problem with a capital P. And it has been so fun to watch that unfold. And the thing about Sabrina that a lot of people don't appreciate, she would rather make the pass Mm -hmm. and have Lainey hit the shot than take the shot herself. Yeah, That's why she's near the top in the league in assists. That is what really motivates Sabrina. That's what drove her engine at Oregon and mm-hmm. how she became the first Division One athlete for 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 uh, rebounds. She's just wired that way. She wants to facilitate. So I think the two of them can work beautifully together because they're not they're in different lanes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. Before we move on to the fellas, any, I keep wanting to call them, oh no, rookies is right. In the back of my mind, yeah. I was about freshmen though. But any rookies, <laughs> you're like, okay, I see you. Michaela Onion Wede. Yes. Onion Wede. Yes. That's a great one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I had the absolute luxury of covering her at UCLA, and I knew she was going to be an amazing pro uh, from the time I saw her as a sophomore. I uh, wasn't quite sure as a freshman as she was figuring it out, but definitely by her sophomore year, I was like, oh, yeah. By her junior year, I figured she'd be a first round pick. By her senior year, I knew she could be a top five pick. And here's what has impressed me the most. Two years ago, she never shot the three, ever. Not even when the shot clock was winding down and Corey Close was having an epileptic fit on the sideline. She was not shooting the three. But now she incorporated that into her game. Once the pro scouts talked to her, before her senior year, hey, at your size, you're going to have to spread the floor and shoot the three. And she just went, okay, and just put it you know, like putting an arrow in a quiver. It's just there now for her. And that has impressed me so much. I love that. Michaela's definitely a great selection. I think I'm looking at Charlie Collier, which I know is a little bit lazy. She was number one draft pick, but I was really excited yeah. about the Dallas Young Dallas Wings team because I was okay. like, what is it gonna look like with Vicky? Like Arike yeah. is for um, what's my girl? Izzy is down there killing it. Like yep. I was like, this team is going to be young and fiery and fast. Yeah, Satu Sabali. They've had some ups and downs. They're young. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think Collier's done a good job of holding her own as a at a position that is going to garner a lot of attention because of her size. Yes. Yeah. It's the hardest position in the W. You look at how many good post-position players there are, it's tough to eat. <laughs> it's just tough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know she hasn't had a, like, a ton of bombastic performances, but I think you can see she's going to be able to grow into this role moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this, this, this draft was like, oh, even Kaiser, who I covered at West Virginia. 
Right? But and at four, were you surprised at four? I, I wasn't, I wasn't just because okay. we don't have the same draft preparation that the guys do. Right. right. So I was kind of like, oh, but then when I thought about what I've seen of Kaiser under Mike Carey and the two years that I covered her at West Virginia and her skill set, mm. I was like, actually, that, that kind of works. Like that kind of yeah. works for me because she's a big guard. She can shoot the three. She can attack the paint. She can finish through contact. Now, Indiana obviously has a lot of growing to do. But I think even in that, when she's on the floor, I trust that she's going to make a solid decision. Maybe not okay. always the best but I trust that she's going to make a solid decision. And so to me, she's got a lot of tremendous upside. I covered some big 12 basketball for the Texas tech lady Raiders and a non-conference game for them was against West Virginia. And I saw Gondrzejczyk on the floor and she was easily the most impressive basketball player on the floor that night. Uh, the skill set is through the roof. Um, some of the decision-making, you kind of scratch your head, but she made it work with her athleticism. Uh -huh. So I couldn't hate on that. Um, but even with that experience, you know, because she was on the floor with Brittany Brewer at the time for yeah. Texas Tech, and Brewer was drafted by the Dream. So I was like, all right, I know what a WNBA pick looks like in college. And for whatever reason, I just wasn't seeing it from her. But now that I see her in that Indiana uniform and growing into that responsibility of as a young one, a face of the franchise type, um, she's she's wearing it. You you can tell, you know, it's kind of like a baby deer when they're first born and everything's a little gangly and stuff, but she's figuring it out. And, and it's a fun journey to watch. Yeah, I will say, frankly, though, I think the biggest difference, she's gotten in better shape since she became a pro. Yes, Her 100%. Year, like, baby girl got serious in the pandemic and it shows. <laughs> it shows. 100%. Yeah, because uh, Carrie would have to take timeouts just to give her a blow because he couldn't take her off the floor. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, the fitness definitely has increased. Okay, last super cool thing, and then we're going over to the NBA, I promise. Okay, uh, okay. Folks listening, if you're here for this W conversation, you're enjoying it as much as we are. Uh, the Michael Jordan campaign. Cindy? Oh, my God. The Jumpman campaign. Let me get my labels. Okay, first of all, when you put Michael Jordan in a tuxedo or any kind of evening dress look, you have my acute attention. And then when you surround him with nine of the most dynamic and amazing WNBA players in the Jumpman brand, oh my gosh. That was just straight smoke. Just, whew. It, the campaign drop was super cool. What I appreciate though about the Jordan brand family in the W is the variety, I think. Yes. Similar to the way we started the conversation with Team USA, like it's not just names we know, it's names yeah. we need to know as we move forward. I mean, Dierica Hamby, I mean, you probably know her crazy shot. You know her as Sixth Woman of the Year twice. Crystal Dangerfield has been Rookie of the Year, tremendous, going to have a long career. Yeah. So even when the picture drops, Cindy, I was kind of like, wait, who is that? Oh, that's Arella Garantes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Like it was yeah, yeah. like, okay, they got a future. Yeah, I, that's what I love too. I mean, Jordan Canada, she's not a yep. starter for the Storm, but mm -hmm. she was a critical part of that championship run. She was a star at UCLA. And by the way, if you ever can get a chance to hear Jordan Canada sing, really, somebody may have a future and give Beyonce a run for her money in the studio. She has a beautiful voice. 
Wow. Just putting that out there. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Nice. That was that was one of the fun things about going to shoot around when we used to be able to get into the gym. <laughs> oh my goodness, I did not know that. Okay, what would have yeah. She is yeah. also stunning, by the way. Jordan, yeah, that yes. doesn't that doesn't hurt. That yes. absolutely doesn't hurt. But uh, yeah, and she has put in the work. I mean, she she grinds. She grinds behind the scenes. You know that whole the work you do in the dark. She that is Jordan Canada. Should she leave Seattle? Why? To get more shine. Like she's playing. No, no. Don't, don't make my heart stop. I'm a Storm fan. I don't need that. I was just asking. Like. No, she is the heir apparent. She was drafted because Sue Bird is not going to play forever. Um, I, not? You know, where, where is she going to get more burn on a better team? No, I think the idea is what you just said, though, that she has to continue to be patient. But Sue can yeah. keep kicking Father Time in the butt. Like, she's yeah. in a great situation. Yeah. Father Time is undefeated for a reason, though. I, I I really could see an instance if Sue wins the gold and Seattle makes it to the WNBA finals that Sue says I'm good. Because everything is set. You know, you have Jordan there and Kiana Williams behind her. Mm. So the, po- the point guard position is shored up in Seattle. Um, yeah, I mean, because... I don't think Sue would want to wait a couple more seasons and all of a sudden find a struggling team and then exit. So this would be a way for her to do something unprecedented on the Olympic stage mm-hmm. and then take Seattle to another finals. Um, she's got the four rings. I love that CarMax commercial <laughs> where the guy's like, oh yeah, so many championships. Oh no, Steph Curry, I've only got blah. Oh no, I'm talking about her, Sue Bird. She's got four, my favorite ad. Um, but yeah, so I... I I want Jordan, if anybody knows Jordan listening to this, please tell Jordan. Cindy hopes that she stays in Seattle. She is the point guard of the future. As a Storm fan, that's what I would like to see. <laughs> it may not be far off, but I'm just wondering, because I was, my sister was sort of close to those UCLA teams when Jordan was mm-hmm. there. Um, what's my girl in Atlanta that I love? Ari McDonald. No, no, no. From the UCLA squad. Why can I not call the show? Oh, Mo- Monique Billings. Oh, Monique Billings. Billings. I love yes. She plays. She just yes. does life with so much joy and exuberance, but she plays. Yes. So um. So yeah, I, I know that Jordan's good. I don't yeah. know if everybody knows how good Jordan is yet. No, they will. Okay. They will. And I think her association with Jordan and the Jumpman brand is going to help that. Yeah. Okay. And, and look, Sue is 40 years old. She can't play 30 minutes every night. The mm-hmm. playing time is going to be there for Jordan in Seattle. Okay. All right. Um, we have uh, crossed over the 40-minute threshold on this here podcast. But before we, before we get you out of here, Cindy Brunson, we do yes. have to talk about the Phoenix Suns and the arena and Devin Booker and Chris Paul mm-hmm. and Cameron Payne and Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. What is it? It's been a minute since Phoenix had a winning men's team. I have lived in the Valley since 2013, and this is the first season since we have lived here that this team, like they are moving around my Mercury season tickets to accommodate playoff games for the Suns. That has never happened Uh since we moved here to the Valley. Um, The name you didn't list there, DeAndre Ayton. I mean, can we have a conversation about the Phoenix Suns without talking about the Valley oop? How awesome was that? I was so happy for him. Like I, yes. I still think that he would have been throughout the first two rounds. He had been an under, 
represented or unsung hero, I should say. Yes, no, he is the straw that's stirring the drink because of his post play and the defense that he demands. Mm -hmm. He is really critical and he's shooting his free throws well. I mean, it's just everything. I love that kid. I covered him in his one year at Arizona when he was truly a man playing amongst boys. uh, And I knew he had a super high upside. I was worried about when he got to the league, how he struggled defensively on the pick and roll, but Monty Williams has shored that up as has Chris Paul. So uh, he's no longer a liability there. And he, he's a lot to handle. I would love to see the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns make it to the NBA finals, just so I can see Giannis versus Aiden. I really want to see that matchup. Oh God, Cindy, that's a, that's a tall order. Oh, Hey, I'm just saying now, and I'm not, looking past the Clippers by any stretch of the imagination. They've already been down 0-2 twice, and it's been no problem. And I know that the games have only been decided by, what, seven points combined? Mm-hmm. And if Paul George makes his free throws for the love of Christmas, we're not even talking about a 2-0 series lead for the Phoenix Suns. I mean, 18 for 24 were the Clippers from the free throw line in game two. Five of those misses, Paul George. Five! An 84% free thrower went five for 10 from the free throw line. The moment was too big, Cindy. I'm sorry, Bruce. Listen, I, Chanae, uh, friend of the podcast, friend of the show, uh, she said she hates the nickname Pandemic P. So I'm not going to go with that. (laughs) However, I am going to go with, as our friend Kendrick Perkins says, it is what it is. The moment was too big. Like, and it was, if if you're engaging on Twitter during the course of the games, Folks were like, oh, we got to apologize to Paul George. Oh, we got to apologize to Paul George. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. <laughs> I don't apologize for nothing. This is a results-driven industry, and you didn't show up in the moment. Now, I'm not going to harp on that because I've been thoroughly impressed with this Phoenix Sun squad. Uh, but I think the big difference in this 0-2 hole for the Clippers is that the Suns are going to get better when Chris Paul returns. Well, there is the opportunity for Kawhi Leonard to figure it out and possibly come back because then the dynamic changes. Then they become more athletic defensively. And this little gap that has separated the Suns and the Clippers may disappear. Because you look at Chris Paul, what else is he going to do to help Phoenix? They haven't needed him. They haven't missed him, really. I mean, campaign has been lights out. Mikhail Bridges has stepped up. Johnson, I mean, all of the role players have stepped up so beautifully that they're not missing Chris Paul, where you could argue the Clippers are missing Kawhi. And if Kawhi comes back, even if it's limited minutes, it just might infuse his teammates to give them that little extra that they need to put them over the top. I don't think that you're wrong. And in the absence of stars, I do think that the Kawhi absence weighs heavier than the Clippers. My doubt in his return, though, is we've seen Kawhi demonstrate before he's not willing to sacrifice his body. Yeah, that's true. We'll see. I mean, knock on wood, cross your heart, say your prayers, all that good stuff. We never want athletes to be injured. Um, I'm just glad it wasn't an ACL. When he pulled up and I saw the expression on his face, I've torn my ACL three times in my left knee. And I looked at that face and I went, oh, that's not good. That is not good. So the fact that it isn't an ACL was such an exhale moment for me because I don't want the Suns to go through and constantly catch a break 
and be overlooked for how awesome they are as a team, you know, because they beat the Lakers without Anthony Davis and then they roll through the nuggets. And then if they beat the Clippers without Kawhi, it's just going to be another asterisk. And I don't want that for this Suns team because they have demonstrated soup to nuts that they are ready for this moment. They started it in the end of the run at the bubble last season and it's just carried through the entire season and now here to nine straight playoff wins in the postseason. Well, as I enter the debate space in sports media, anybody that wants to talk <laughs> about asterisks, bring all the smoke because you <laughs> and the Phoenix Suns are handling their business. So I don't want to hear right? about imaginary asterisks. No. Okay. Okay. I got um, a question for you guys. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm a huge Jay Crowder fan. I mean, I loved him on the Celtics. Every team that guy goes to gets better, and every team that he leaves gets worse. Now, the pass last night was just an amazing pass, but you guys are both ballers, so this question is for you. Did you know the rule that you could touch the ball in the cylinder on an out-of-bounds play? I did not. I'm just curious. Did you guys, when you first saw it, did you say, oh, no, they're going to, oh, no, no. Or did you all know that that was the legit play? I only knew it was a legit play because it had happened a couple seasons ago here in Phoenix with a different player. So I had experience with it, um, but I was waiting because Mike Breen was waiting. <laughs> and so, because I do television play by play now. So I was watching it to see how he handled it. And it was great because he just laid out, let's wait a minute. The referees want to take a look, everybody discuss. Um, but yeah, I, I knew it was money. Um, but you can tell it's a play that's not run very often because the players themselves weren't sure. DeAndre went from woo to, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I, I did what coach said and what? <laughs> I didn't know that was a rule until you said it actually, Bruce, that you could touch the cylinder. I missed that it touched the cylinder. I just thought it was a great pass. And then really DeAndre touch it. He was over the cylinder with the ball. In other words, the ball was over the cylinder when he caught it. So right. it, it would be hit. offensive. It would be offensive interference if it was, it was a, a shot, shot that had gone up. Yeah. Right. I was say it was a pass though. So that's yeah. my mind. I guess yeah. because it's an out of bounds play, different rules apply. I hadn't known that. I've been following basketball forever, and I didn't know that. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I did not think to apply the logic behind a shot over the cylinder to a pass. So that just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it well, was like, you, you were alone. There were 17, 18,000 fans in Phoenix Suns Arena that were just like, do we celebrate? Do we not? Do we celebrate? Oh, my God. Ah, you know, it was so. a great moment, a great play for sure. All right, Cindy, before we get you out of here, this is how we wrap yes. things up on buckets, boards and blocks. Okay. You can give me one of those or all three of those, depending on how you feel led. But let me give you their definitions. Okay. A bucket is the thing you want more of. Give me more of these buckets. Give it to me, give it to me. The okay. board is like a rebound, silver lining. At first glance, maybe you didn't like it, but then it redeems itself and you're like, okay, this serves a good purpose. And then the block is the get this out of here, the Kimba and Tumbo finger wag. We don't want any more of this particular thing. Okay? Mm. So I'm going to make your category year 25, the anniversary of the WNBA, and you can pick whatever it is you'd like to share, whatever's on your heart, a bucket, a board, or a block. Ooh, a bucket, give okay. me more of the offense. I have loved the high scoring games night in and night out in the WNBA. The skill level has been out of this world awesome. 
and I can't get enough. So that's my bucket. Okay, cool. We love it. Uh, my block. Okay, we got a block. Okay. I'm going to go block. Uh, because it is connected to the 25th anniversary season, uh, the Olympic Selection Committee. Okay. Kind of, kind of put a little, little bit of a gray cloud over a celebratory season. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, well, you gave me two out of three, so you're bored. Something that you didn't like at first, but maybe has some <clears throat> qualities to it. Okay, the board would have to be the way they construct this Commissioner's Cup. Okay. And how that came about, there wasn't that much detail with it. Um, I remember Sabrina Ionescu being asked about, hey, you've got a Commissioner's Cup win. And she's like, oh, great. What do we get? Like, if you don't communicate with the players, how are the fans supposed to get excited? So I appreciate what they were trying to do in theory. I just wish the rollout would have had a little more oomph behind it. So that those of us that are engaged weren't playing catch up. Got it. Got it. I love those. Those are all three great ones. And Cindy, you are a great one. Thank you for kicking it with us. Where can folks find <laughs> you? Where can they hear you on the play-by-play call? Ooh, well, I primarily do uh, Pac-12 Network, but I've been on ESPN and I've, I'm out there. The resume is out there. If you need play-by-play for men's or women's basketball, be sure to let me know. I love it. Yes, get you some Cindy Brunson on the call and then call me <laughs> so that we can team up. Uh, this, we got to make that happen, Monica. I'm putting it out into the universe. I'll be your play-by-play anytime. Kareem White, if you're listening to this pod, we expect you to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. That was dope. Thank you to our producer, Bruce, for playing two positions this week. He was the most quiet co-host ever, but it's okay. We still love him. Thanks to our great editor, Kristen Woolley. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. This week, the Mike Wise Show features Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown with an amazing Allen Iverson story you have never heard before. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong has Ann Myers-Drysdale talking about the Phoenix Suns with a dash of Phoenix Mercury thrown in. BJ Armstrong is back with Eric Newman on the Pure Hoops podcast which drops every Friday. And King McClure will be back next week with me for Thursday's edition of a brand new episode of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. I just didn't want to interrupt you guys. You guys had it rolling. I didn't I, want it. I didn't want it look like, you know, like the, the, the annoying guy trying to, you know, dip into your DMs or whatever, you know. Just, <laughs> I was just trying to, I was trying to be polite and not improve on perfection. I saw your face and I knew that's what you were doing, but you know, you're always welcome. So it's fine. <laughs> All right. So I get to, I get to talk a little bit now then, cause I'm going to do the share the love part of this show, which normally would be King. Okay, perfect. Please folks, keep your guard up, get the vaccination, get the shot. Vaccinated people don't need masks anymore in case you haven't heard. So get the shot and lose the mask. And if you're not going to get the shot, Keep the mask because I don't want you getting me and Monica and King sick, okay? So keep it on and protect other people. If you like Bucket Sports and Blocks, please subscribe, rate us, review us, leave a five-star rating. It would mean a lot. So until King and Monica are here for you again next week, I'm going to be Jay Crowder and you're going to be DeAndre Ayton. Here it comes, Monica. Enjoy your hoops. I see what you did there, Bruce. I like that. We win. <laughs> Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.